0: Welcome to the Immigrant Stories program. I'm your host, Walter Gallagher, and my interview today is with John Nislanek and his brothers, Paul, Bob, and Ray. John died on February 9th, 2023. He was 91. He was one of 12 children born to John and Mary Nislanek, who came to the valley in 1929 with their first five kids and four cows, and a dream of starting a ranch of their own. They found their spot on Spring Valley, above what is now Colorado Mountain College. In fact, it was the Nislanics and other ranching families who gifted 588 acres for the college's Spring Valley campus in the mid-1960s. The Nislanic name is synonymous with generosity, vision, hard work, and playfulness. And anybody who has tended the Carbondale College Rodeo knows the Nislanics play as hard as they work. On March 12, 2012, I had the pleasure and the honor of joining John, Paul, Bob, and Ray for morning coffee in John's kitchen as they talked about life growing up on Spring Valley. Brother Jim wasn't able to make it. John starts the interview remembering his parents
1: my dad came from poland when he was 13 years old he came to wyoming Sheridan, wyoming and uh uh, he always told me he said you know the people that went to america told him that it was just like going to heaven going to america
0: really that uh, this was the promised land
1: that was his comment to me time and time again he'd say we're going to America. That's just like going to heaven.
0: Where did they land when they when they came to the United States? Do you know? Well,
1: I think they landed in New York. Uh, start, start with in New York, New York, someplace. California. And then from New York, well, then they, they came to Sheridan, Wyoming, by train. And he, uh, he came with a lady that her husband was in Sheridan. And uh, the husband of the lady that he came with uh, uh, they he kind of sponsored this lady, or this lady sponsored him, or something that went on. But he came with that lady, and her husband was working in the mine and, in Sheridan, Wyoming.
0: And what did you, what did your dad do, when in Sheridan?
1: First job he had was uh, drying sand in, in the, uh, for the railroad. To pull uh, cars uh, out of the mine, you know. He had a dry sand so the track, could, uh, the engine wouldn't spin out. And that's the first job. He was 13 years
2: old. That's what
0: see? And how long did he do that?
2: Yeah, see, he, he, I think he got to Sheridan in this a, is Paul. about 19, uh, let's see, he was born in 1895, and he, he got to America in 1910, is the way I understand it. So and so 15. he was about 14 or 15, I believe. But anyway, and then, and they, uh, him and mom married in 22. 22. 19, 20, so, 22 yeah. so, anyway, he was probably there, what, uh, uh, 12 years before, what, yeah, 12 years before he he got married, I guess. And I guess he worked at the mine all that time. That's the way I knew.
3: Yeah, this is Ray. As a note of interest, though, before he came over, the reason he, he came was uh, his brother, who was two years older than he was in, in uh, Poland or the Czech Republic, whichever it was back then, was supposed to come, his older brother. And he got a uh, job on the railroad a month or two before he was supposed to go, so our dad took his papers and uh, got on the ship and uh, and I think they spent 30, uh, over 30 days on the ship and as a note of interest, the only thing he could eat really and hold down was sauerkraut.
2: <laughs>
0: S- sauerkraut on a sour stomach, I don't know how that would go. Well, I think the this intent is Paul. was
2: uh, the, the, he was to come over here, and then he was to go back, I guess, but then, you know, yeah, we never went back. didn't have no money.
3: And. Yeah, this is Ray again, but uh, you know, the unemployment over there was so ferocious, in, uh, and so uh, they were probably 50% unemployment, so I guess that was one of the reasons that he was uh, inclined to, to head out.
0: Well, and that's the story of so many immigrants from so many countries that things were really bad or, I mean, you don't just pick up and go and leave your country unless things are pretty desperate. This is Ray.
3: And uh, also he worked uh, in Montana a couple years for a logging company and and a a rancher up there too. And this would, this was apparently uh, before he even started in the mine. So they, uh, they actually uh, took the train to Sheridan and then him and his friend just took off more or less hitchhiking and, and wherever they could find work, of course, they, they got it. This is Bob. I wonder how he got into the farming business, so. <clears> though. <throat> Did he must have
4: worked on a ranch there? Or? No, this is John. This is, just taught, John
1: talked. <clears throat> See, uh, when he was dating our mother why uh, her folks had a little place in in, in Sheridan, Long Goose Creek there someplace, and, and they had a big garden. And, you know, he was always amazed how they'd grow these vegetables. You know, and he, he thought, well, you know, by golly, this growing this stuff is, is a good deal. And so they start, you know, thinking about They were about to get married, and after they did get married, why then he started looking around for something that was better than what he had. See? It was always, he was the kind of a guy that he always looked ahead. He looked ahead to see if he could get himself better.
0: If you're just tuning in, you're listening to the Immigrant Stories program. Johnny Slanek and his brothers Paul, Bob, and Ray are in John's kitchen one morning in March 2012 talking about how their parents made their way to the roaring fork valley john's describing how his folks found the spring valley ranch spot
1: he got tangled up with a, a guy that had a second hand store down in glenwood he was his name was crudish and he was uh, down on the river front there and he had a second hand store and he got uh, he got r- real friendly with Dad. And then uh, uh, he, uh, he knew that dad was looking for a piece of ground to buy. And so then uh, he uh, directed a, a real estate guy to, to talk to dad, you see. And so then that's where they got coming to. They went up in Montana and looked for place, and they yeah. went here and there and looking for places. And, and uh, that's finally why he came here.
0: So, how many kids did they have at the time when they were trying to find a place to land? This is Paul.
2: When they came, they had, you know, all the kids were with them except John, right? Five of them. They came in 1929, and uh, Katie was the baby.
0: 1929. That's a great place. That's a great time to start a life, huh? Start a new venture in
2: 1929. Well, yeah, yeah, because he always told us about uh, uh, the road staying down.
3: At, staying at Red Cliff.
2: Yeah, yeah. and yes, but anyway, does. coming down the canyon, you had to cross the river a time or two with the with your vehicle.
0: Well, and in what I understand is that the, the uh, road at Red Cliff was pretty rugged. I mean, if you had to, if you were passing through there at high water, you had to wait. Uh, this is Ray.
3: You see, they, uh, there was, of course, no road over uh, Loveland Pass at that time. So they had to go through uh, Red Cliff. And I know they, they started out in the middle of uh, about the first part of November. And they got in that snowstorm, a blizzard, and they spent uh, at least one night or two nights up at Red Cliff before they could go on in their whatever year that Essex was uh, car. And then they must have had the five kids, and uh, so it was a little testy. This is John. I was the first one born to him here, you know. See, and I was born
1: in 32,
3: 1932.
1: See? And then after that, why, you know, come the rest of these boys, all in a line.
0: Wow. So all these guys were, were following right after. So what were the names of the kids that, that were born before you?
1: Well, as Betty's the oldest, and then there was a set of twins, Beezy and Bernard, and then there was Adeline, and then there was Dorothy, and then there was Catherine, and you then there was John, Charlie? and then there was John yes, and Paul
4: and Bob and I Ray and Jim, three.
1: and Francis again. Well, there
2: had to be six, you know. If they Th-
3: came this is Bob.
4: But if he was up there yesterday, we could have showed you the car that they came to <laughs> Glenwood, because <laughs> it's still sitting out there on the stage. Yeah, I think know, it's still there. It's, but, just you know, it's just a shame that we didn't restore that or keep that car like it was, because I remember our dad used to grind grain. But he put a belt around the back wheel. He jacked it up and he used to run the yep. grinder with that thing.
1: gentleman had a the sawmill. They had a the saw. They had. He had saw. a you know he we didn't have these fine furnaces that they got now we had cook uh, stoves you know wood stoves and we'd have to cut the wood you know and and he rigged up this saw it was a big uh, you know what the heck he called the blade around about a five buzzsaw. foot buzz saw and it
2: was and like a, a 36 it, inch diameter
1: and blade. then it, it was dri- driven by power and the power he used was he jacked that Essex car up and put the belt on the hind wheel, and then he'd saw the wood, you know.
0: In- ingenious as can be, right? So tell me some stories about growing up on the farm, the ranch.
4: Well, some- I, I'll tell you, it was a hell of a lot different than it is now because there was no TV, no microwaves. Shit, you never even had a refrigerator we had. The, our dad put a, a round barrel in the spring, you know, to keep the, what little food you put in there to keep
2: it cold, you know, from the water. And that's the way you lived. And we ate buckskin and potatoes. <laughs> that's about it. Well, uh, we ate sauerkraut. A, and sauerkraut, yeah.
0: So, so your, uh, your dad still likes sauerkraut, even though that's all he could eat crossing. Oh yeah. This is Ray. Yeah, well, I was born in uh, 40.
3: That's 1940. And uh, one of the things I remember is when we were, uh, it was about 1948, we uh, dug uh, about a half-mile ditch for a water line by hand. And so uh, that's the reason we got bad backs, I guess, now. (laughs) Oh, that would do it.
0: This is Paul.
2: I can remember that. uh, Yeah, like Ray said, we dug this ditch, and I think that was one of the times that he went to. uh, Well, our our oldest sister lived in Detroit, and so I think they went back there to visit them, and uh, then they also went to Pittsburgh to visit his sister. But anyway, when he left, he said, "Okay, get on this ditch and and dig." Mm -hmm. I don't remember, but we dug it. I don't know who was the boss, but we <laughs> dug a hell of a lot of ditch. And, <laughs> and you know, we,
4: put it? we got our water. Somebody ought to tell him. Uh, somebody ought to tell him about the time he moved the house down across the field where he broke his leg. I don't remember that story. He didn't break his leg? The house ran upon him, broke his leg?
2: No, no he didn't he did. break his leg, but he did. Uh, he he always told part. us that that year that they there was like three or four feet of snow in the field, and they had to move this cabin, it was actually part of the house that we lived in, and it was a log structure, and uh, anyway, they'd, uh, they'd uh, shovel the snow ahead of it for, what, 20, 30 feet, and then they with a team of horses or whatever, they'd pull it that yeah. far, and the next day they'd shovel another yeah. whatever, and that's, that's the way convenient. they got their house. And I, I don't know the, the house that we lived in, first of all. Uh, was that there?
1: You got to remember how that house was built. It was built in a log structure with one, two, three rooms. And they didn't have a kitchen. And so uh, I guess mom raised hell with him. So then he moves this cabin down and put it on the edge of this house, on the front of the house, and that made the kitchen. See, that was on the east end.
2: See, that was the kitchen. I don't know what year he had pneumonia real bad.
1: Damn near died in, I'd say, uh, well, I was probably four years old, I think. Thirty-four, thirty-five, thirty-six, well, right along in there he got pneumonia. after
2: that? Well,
1: you know, he I got pneumonia know. and he uh-huh. damn near but died. Hey. Old Doc Hopkins come up, rode in there with a the horse because he couldn't get a car in that snow, and so he rode up the... But, uh, you know, tell mom to do this and do that and bring him out of his... Uh, he had pneumonia really bad. But he laid in bed for, I'd say, uh, damn near a month.
0: But your, your grandfather was, was there yeah, doing... He, he, was your grandmother there as well?
2: Uh, we, uh, they lived with us for years. And I guess when they moved from Wyoming, my, my granddad rode in the, in the boxcar with the cows. That's what they, really? they
3: brought them on the
2: rail. They brought them on the rail. They had two cows and two heifers,
1: and they unloaded them down there at the Red Schoolhouse, uh, right there uh, at uh, the Creek. bottom of Cattle Creek, and they led them cows clear up to the ranch here on the road. You know, Grandfather was behind them with a stick, and they was leading them up the road. They didn't have all these fancy things they got now, you see, and that's the only way they had to transport them animals. And they needed them animals to make a living on that, on that piece of ground that they bought.
0: So this was the start? The, the,
1: this was the start. That's, that's the way they got started.
0: Does anybody know how your, how your mom's parents ended up in Sheridan? Well,
2: they came, they came from, from Europe, old, uh, but I don't know what... I think old, they came from the yeah. same area as what Dad yeah. came from because they spoke the, the same language. And when we were kids, we, we could understand, uh, you know, what they were saying, but now we can't.
0: So was there a Polish settlement in Sheridan? I mean, that's usually what happened, no, is that know. groups of people from different countries would settle, like the, is I think oh, this I is don't Ray.
2: I exactly, I don't know.
0: Yeah, apparently Sheridan was a little bit like
3: Chicago is now. You know, all the Polish people, they, Chicago is half Polish. And so I think they just came to Wyoming because there was no other place to go. And as a note of interest, I think he paid uh, $9,000 for that place in 29, and then 2000 uh, $2, for the Chapman place, which is... Of
1: course, I, I got a story on this Chapman. <laughs>
3: this is
0: John. This is John.
1: Uh, when uh, he bought the Chapman place... Uh, what year was that? Well, I can't really say, but I know that I was probably five, four years old maybe. And John Hopkins used to ride the power line from uh, uh, over there to uh, where the, up above Glenwood where they, where they made the, you know, they run the power out of Glenwood. He rode the power line to, the power line went past dad's house and it went to Leadville. And John Hopkins rode that line probably once a month, horseback. He rode from uh, up there, clear over to someplace, and he'd go back home. So anyway, uh, he came past the house, and he they got to talking. And and uh, John Hopkins told my dad, he said, if you guys got any money in the Citizens Bank in Glenwood, he said, you you better get down there at, at, at Monday morning because it's going to go belly up. And so my grandfather had $3,000 in that citizen's bank in Glenwood. And by golly, he walked to, uh, to Glenwood on Monday morning, and he was down there to draw that money out at 9 o'clock, and the damn bank shut the doors at 12. So, but so he got he, his- brought, he brought the money home, and he, he says to my dad, he said, here, he said, here's the money. What the heck are we going to do with it? And dad says, well, he says, you just say, well, put it under your mattress so they won't. (laughs) So then they looked around and old uh, George Downing had this lower ranch there and and they they bought that for the $3,000, see? So that's the way they kind of put the two places together and that's.
0: Well, and that was the thirties. That was some serious hard time for you as a family. What was the worst hard time that you remember?
1: Going to school was the hardest time for me.
0: Going to school? Going
1: to school. I never went to only eighth grade, you know, and I was lucky to get that far. See, and and it was tough to get up in the morning and go three miles either on foot or horseback. Yeah,
2: that's you what know? we
1: did. And that was, it was tough to get to get out and
0: get going. Was it you didn't like school, or was it just too hard to fit it in?
1: <laughs> well, it, it just, no you know... It was just too damn hard to get there, that's what it was. <laughs> no there was road. no
2: road, and they couldn't find the school, is what they said. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> couldn't find the school, yeah, well that,
2: <laughs> That's what the story, the way the story went.
0: So you're following in your, in your father's and your grandfather's footsteps, right? What is it that draws you to the land?
2: I don't know, we just it was when we grew up, we 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 milked the cows and and uh, did whatever, cleaned the ditches with a shovel and and uh, irrigated and every other thing. And so that's really, you know, that's all we knew, I guess. You know. So then, in about 19 what 58, uh, John well, uh, bought a place here in Carbondale, I don't know. right? I went to the army. Well, he was in the service. Well, I was too. I went to the service in uh, uh, '55 and got out in '57. I went, John. This is John. I went in
1: 1951 and and I got out in '53. I had two years. I was they sent me over to Korea. You see, and then when I come back, you guys was with Dad, and so then I kind of strayed off and. And figured, man, maybe I can get on my own, you know. And I looked way down the road, you know, way down the road. And, and finally, I, I bought a place,
0: you see. Is that this, this place? No. no. No,
1: no. that was the place across south of here. I bought that first. And then after I bought that, why well, then uh, I figured I had too much work to do. And so then I called them guys into coming with me. Bob and Paul, and we bought the rest of this. We bought part of the rest of it. And then in 1965, we bought some more. You see, and everybody said, well, hell, them guys won't be here long. They'll go broke and they'll be gone, you know, but we're still here. You see? See, that's yeah, the old we're tough Polox. That's what it oh. is. <laughs> I got one more thing to say tell you how we bought these places. Uh, I was over here irrigating one day, and and this old boy that owned this place, he come to me and he said, you know, he said, John, he says, why don't you guys buy this place for me? He said, I got to sell it because, you know, my two brothers, uh, one of them is not well, and the other one had a heart attack, you know. And he said, we got to sell it. He said, we got to sell it. He said, "Uh, then we're going to put it up for sale. So they listed it for like, uh, I don't know, four months, three months, or something like that. And, and at the end of the listing, why uh, I seen him again over here irrigating, and he said, did you guys ever decide what you're going to do? And I said, well, not really, but I said, I'll pin him down. I'll pin him down, and, and I'll explain to him what, what's going on. And so we had a meeting between the three of us, and we decided that, that by golly we'll take a chance, and so I seen him in the next couple of days, and and I told him I said we'll buy it, and there was never no amount or nothing mentioned. He just said we'll buy it, and so uh, when I went home and talked to my wife, uh, she said, "Well, we ought to go over there and look at the house." You know, she said that's the most important thing for me, and. <laughs> And I said, well, I said, this land is good, and they got a good permit, and, and the water's good. And I said, but we'll go look at the house. And so we come over to look at this house, and there wasn't a soul in here. They already moved out. They went to Glenwood. They went down to Glenwood, and they bought a house there on Colorado Avenue. And uh, the house was empty. And so I went to this one brother, and I said, "Say, hey, he said, what's going on? He said, well, you told me that you'd take, you'd buy it. And, and I told him, I says, well, gee, we haven't uh, arranged for a payment or anything, a down payment or nothing. Well, I said, don't worry about that. He said, we'll meet with old Frank Delaney down there at Glenwood, and we'll, we'll work that all out on the 1st of October. So then, uh, so they had all the hay in the field and the cattle on the range, and, and he said, Oh, you guys take care of that. He says, We're going to, we're going to, we, le- we left and, and we took all our stuff, and that's it. So we had it. And, and so then from then on, was, it was just a, a solid work, is what it was. <laughs> well,
0: so they just, they, they moved out just, just on a conversation.
1: <laughs> yeah, just on saying, just, uh, I told him I said, Yeah, I said, we'll take it. We'll take it, and, and so they moved out.
0: And uh, there was no price ever talked no, about.
1: Not until we got down there and visited with old Delaney down there in Glenwood, old Frank Delaney.
0: Was you so who, uh, who was this? Remember. Who who was this person that you that you bought it from? from
1: Blank. It uh, was Osrie Blank. is the one that we dealt with, because there was Arthur and Dario and Audrey. There was three boys, and and there was the parents was Louisa and Evans.
2: And a girl. Hilda. And
1: Hilda. And uh, Mrs. Ferris was another one. There was two girls, Hilda. Yeah, but
2: the, the, in the ranch, there were just yeah. three yeah. brothers and Hilda. And uh, uh, the, the thing that I remember, we had to each come up with 10,000 bucks, and, a, and I didn't know where the hell I got
0: mine. <laughs> but so where did you we get yours? It.
2: Well, I, oh, I, we, I borrowed it from... Uh, I think my dad, uh, my folks signed for me at the bank, and he got the ten thousand bucks. And but at that time, I, we had uh, I had uh, uh, this warehouse and Car- potato handling yeah, facility yeah. in Carbondale, and I bought and sold potatoes and sorted potatoes half the night and and whatever. But anyway, so uh, I I don't think we had any trouble getting the money or
4: I did. Bob. This is Bob. My, my share was ten thousand dollars, and I had five of my own. So, I went to the member, old Bill guy, at the bank. I asked him for five thousand dollars, and he laughed at me, you know. So I had a borrow from my dad, and I paid him back the first year. That's how I got my ten thousand.
0: That was Bob Nislanik, along with his brothers, Paul, Ray, and John, one morning in 2012, in John's kitchen. Bob died in September of 2020, and Brother John followed in February of 2023. The Nislaniks, for three generations, have devoted themselves to making life better by being good stewards of the land. Their hard work and generosity has ensured that future generations will be able to stand on Carbondale's White Hill and drink in a view of Mother Sopras in the Crystal River Valley and feel like old man Nislanik felt. Like going to heaven.